Today on the Being Whole podcast, we kick off season three with my sweet friend, Tiffany Williams. Tiffany, owner of Odd and L Apothecary, believes that creating an environment internally and externally that is soothing and calming should be a priority in all of our lives. She believes that our mind, body, home, and soul are the core of who we are, and that it is essential that we nurture those sacred pillars of life. Specializing in mindfulness self-care, Tiffany teaches about the benefits of mindfulness and how to bring self-care into your everyday life. At Audenelle, you'll find products to help ease you into a softer way of life, such as their new monthly candle subscription, Lightbox. But you'll also find community, support, ideas, and suggestions, all designed to bring you peace and comfort. Let's dive into the episode. All right. As promised, everyone, today I'm here with my friend, Tiffany Williams. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We had such a nice conversation on my show, and I know this one's going to be just as good. Okay. So since you brought it up, tell everyone right now, where is your show? What show? Because we did have a great conversation. Hair Simplified is my podcast. Um, I just started it probably, well, I did a bulk of my recordings in the spring. And so they're trickling out now. I'm, I'm really good about doing the fun part of things and really slow at doing, at doing <laughs> things like the copy and the editing and stuff. So they're Relatable. coming out slowly, but they're so good. It's been so fun. Conversations about self-care, taking care of yourself, really overcoming things and just how people are transforming their lives every day. Yeah, I encourage everyone to go check it out again. It's called Self-Care Simplified and we'll link everything in at the end in the show notes. But we did, we had such a great conversation and I love the way that you're really just also trying to create this collection of ways that people can add to their toolbox, right? We all need tips and tools and tricks and resources to be able to care for ourselves and build some resiliency. So thank you for just putting yourself out there in that space. And I'm so glad you did because otherwise we wouldn't have met. Also. I, know, <laughs> I agree. It's got, it's it brought me so many fun connections and I, I really, it started from a place of exactly what you said. Like I have all these uh, thing tools in my toolbox. How can I get them out and share them. And you have tools in your toolbox and everybody has their own ways of doing things. And I always feel like when I'm going through something or when I want to learn something, be a seeker, always be seeking is, is just my favorite thing to say. And podcasting, that's being a seeker. You can find people discussing any topic. And it's just a way to consume information that's easy, accessible, fun, and free. So yeah, it's absolutely so great. And I think it's the thing I like about it too, is that, you know, as we've discussed previously, no matter what you need to hear, you can probably find somebody who's going to say it in a way that's going to resonate with you, exactly. you know, because not everything I say is going to resonate with somebody. Not everything you say is going to resonate with somebody. So that's the more we open up this space, the more conversations that we're having, you're just able to find different people who you might connect with and people who you never thought you might connect with too. Right. right? So that's the, the beautiful space of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have a podcast, obviously, but tell us a little more about yourself, your journey, your life, who you are, what you do, all the things, all the things. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going through a lot right now. So this is kind of a great time to talk about it. This is a very transformative 
time in my life. I am a businesswoman. I own my own company, Odd and L, and I have for eight years. I love it. It's my life. It's after my girls, Audrey and Ellis. Um, and I've I've worked really hard at my business. And you can it on the outside, it looks all buttoned up and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, it's always been very challenging for me. Mm. And a lot of things in life have all, always been very challenging for me. And I think back to when I was a kid and the things I struggled with, I still struggle with it now. Mm-hmm. And I recently learned in my adult life, I'm 42, that I have ADHD. And to say I was shocked. I I discovered this because um, my daughter's being tested for it as well. Mm -hmm. So I was just doing a lot of research about it. And I think there's a big stereotype around it. Like it's a trigger term. Mm -hmm. It's not even a great name for the disorder, you know? And I think a lot of people think of you know, Tommy from the first grade who couldn't stop talking or sit still and he's jumping all over the place, throwing dirt. That's what I think a lot of people think of when they think of ADHD, but that's not it for me. I'm a really calm person. I'm quiet. I'm an introvert, but there's like 10 radio stations playing in my head at any given time. Yes. (laughs) And I start projects and have a hard time completing them. And if I'm not extremely rigid, things don't get done. My bills have to be, I have to be extremely rigid with my bills in order to get them paid. And, and so when I look back on my life and my time as a businesswoman, if you had known me over the past eight years, you would have heard me say, I'm a terrible businesswoman. Mm-hmm. I have no business owning a business. Mm-hmm. I always mess up. Why mm-hmm. do I suck at this? I only like creating. I only like the design part. What I, mm-hmm. I just can't do this. And now I'm just so much kinder to myself. Wow. And I think nothing is wrong. Look at this business you've created Yeah. with this undiagnosed disorder that you've been living with since you were a kid. Yes. So it's been such a transformative time for me, just looking at my life, looking at my lifelong patterns and how I have adapted Mm, to this without even knowing it. And I always thought, oh, I grew up really dependent. Um, I relied on others a lot. I relied on my brother and my sister. And then I relied on my best friend and then my husband. And I used to think it was because I was really anxious and I was a nervous person and I went through um, medical trauma as a kid, like we discussed on my podcast. Um, But I think also a large part of it was the ADHD and just constantly feeling inadequate and needing to feel like I was going in the right direction. So I was following along with others because Mm -hmm. left to my own devices, Mm -hmm. it just didn't work. And I mean, I even think into my early Mm twenties where I made horribly dangerous and impulsive decisions 
I found myself in scary situations that mm-hmm. I had no business being in. But when you have a deficit, yes, it's hard to, and you, and I didn't know. And, and so- that's, oh, it's so interesting to me. So I got diagnosed with ADHD when I was in my, oh, sec- wow. my second year as an assistant professor. And I was just like, it was eye opening to me because I was, so I was like 31, I believe at the time, because it was like you said, all of a sudden, all these light bulbs clicking, you start reading about it and you realize the ways that things that have been hard for you, you know, things that you've shamed yourself for or beat yourself up for, or haven't been able to understand, you realize oh, maybe this is what this is. And exactly what you're saying, like mine never looked like any of the things. And I didn't struggle in school. I was a high achiever and, you know, not understanding what a lot of people don't understand is my being good at school was also a coping mechanism, right? You know, so that's a whole trauma, trauma thing. But then it's, what's interesting to me about the ADHD space is the number of women like our age, I'm going to be 44 here soon, um, or, you know, within this span, a little bit younger, a little bit older than me too, of women who now all of a sudden this age, because we're hearing about it more, we're reading about it more, we're understanding things more are being, I mean, I have five friends and I'm not exaggerating who all of a sudden like, yep, I got on meds, I got on meds. Mm -hmm. So I'm also just so curious to see what the medical community and what research researchers are going to start looking at because clearly there's something here right there's some sort of link is it what is it and Mm -hmm. I think it's also interesting at this space because if you think about it for women so often when we're in those spaces of feeling that overwhelm or feeling different things we're also in the middle of raising kids and being in careers and so you justify and you normalize as do the doctors. I mean, you want to hear, you know, we both have so much medical trauma. Like we we need to do an episode on that too. But so, so much of this is normalized, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, you're busy. You have a stressful life. You have little kids or get somebody to help. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Right. And so just even (laughs) caught up in that without even understanding, like you say, it's, that's the best way I can describe it to people. It's like, there are constantly a hundred tabs open in my brain. And they all want the same amount of attention. Mm -hmm. So this whole, like all the tips that I even teach, you know, urgency versus important, you know, importance are all of these smart goals, all these different, I know the stuff. I absolutely know how to teach it to somebody else. I know how to understand it. Theoretically, it makes sense to me, but applying it to my own life has always been so hard because I was fighting against some of my natural patterns and tendencies, like you're saying, or shaming myself for then the things that I couldn't follow through on or couldn't keep up with. Like everything you're saying resonates with me so much. And I absolutely know it will resonate with our listeners because this is something that's just kind of, it feels like it's exploding right now. And that's probably just because it's exploding in my world that I think it's everywhere (laughs) or I see it everywhere. Right. I think, I think our, our generation, um, young girls were way underdiagnosed because Mm -hmm. or there's two types of ADHD, hyperactive and inattentive. If you have hyperactive, you're, you are bouncing all over the classroom and that's a disturbance and that gets the teacher's attention. Mm -hmm. When you're a well-behaved student who's working hard, Mm -hmm. I never got good grades, but but I worked hard and they could see that. And I was a kind person. Mm -hmm. Um, you're and you overlooked. sat still and you followed the rules. still. You're overlooked yeah. when you're not, it's the squeaky wheel, you know, yeah. when you're not disrupting the group, 
you're overlooked. And so I think it's a, a matter of us becoming women and adults. And honestly, a lot of people in my situation who are seeing their children get diagnosed and they're like, wait a minute. And I also think another reason for adult diagnosis is that when I was young in my twenties, granted, I made some terrible decisions. I lived alone. And so everything was under my control. Mm -hmm. I, I, and that's, you know, the rigid structure, that's where ADHD can relax a little bit. And so I was able to take care of things. I was able to pay my bills. It wasn't until I got married and then I had a spouse and then I had kids and I have all these people going all these different directions and I cannot manage it. Yeah. And I think I thought for so long, what is wrong with me? Yeah. What is wrong with me that I never can get that laundry done? My best friend who lives next door does a load of laundry a day and she never has laundry. Why can't I do that? I know that that works. Why can't? So it's, it's, it's when you're single and young, it also can be missed Mm -hmm. because you can, you know, just curate your environment so perfectly, but become mothers. Oh, it's hard because that's the kind of the, I was managing everything and there was always a reason why mm-hmm. I should be that stressed, right? Oh, you're mm-hmm. in grad school. Oh, you're doing this. Like, exactly. so it was always explained. And then honestly, it wasn't until I got diagnosed, but then I also was diagnosed with lupus shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. So then the, the lupus treatment kind of overtook anything, you know, I was on some meds and things like that, but it's just been for the last decade, kind of this hit and miss. If we're going to mm-hmm. look at the ADHD, if I'm not if I'm going to take meds, if I can't, and so really trying to manage it. And so during that time, then I also got a divorce and became a single mom. And so when you talk about that rigidity of scheduling, when you talk about what for me, then my emotional reactivity went way up. Now, some of this was, I already had emotional reactivity that I needed to deal with from my trauma. You know, obviously I think everybody who's ever listened to this podcast knows that, (laughs) but, but the bigger thing for me that I couldn't ever figure out was why like disruptions to the schedule or why knowing when things were like, I started to feel like I had control issues, but I teach about control. So I was like, no, that's not it. You know? And, and what it was, is it it's my brain is always so overwhelmed and it's trying to manage all of the things that even one tiny little thing that comes up and it can be a good thing. It can Mm -hmm. be like, somebody wants to take you to lunch today. And I could be like, oh shit. Okay. I got to do like, it's, it's what it feels like inside and what my brain is constantly trying to manage. So during that space then too, when we haven't had good conversations about ADHD and women, when we haven't had good conversations about what this looks like, or when we have so many people who don't know, mm-hmm. you do have this thing of like, okay, I feel like I should be a keeping it all together or I'm trying to, but then you have this inner voice of inadequacy or of failure mm-hmm. or of shame of the things that you haven't done. Why is this other person? Why does that work out for them? Or you're feeling that constant overwhelm, like this is just my life and I don't know what to do about it. And and really understanding too, then that these things then have become coping mechanisms. We learn to manage them and we're not always managing our own ADHD or whatever it is in the, in a way that's beneficial to us either. Right. We're trying to map ourselves onto how other people do things. Especially if you didn't know until you were an adult, you developed these coping mechanisms subconsciously 
And they're so ingrained by the time you're in your forties or thirties mm-hmm. that it's hard to undo them as well. But I, I feel like one of the big things I say a lot is slow living, like really slowing way down and everybody can benefit from that. Everybody can benefit from mindfulness and meditation. Mm-hmm. And I talk a lot about that. And I realize now that was a coping mechanism for me. That yeah. was something. So when you have ADHD, you make quick decisions. You don't slow down and think things through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a rule now. I won't answer an email for 24 hours. I won't, if it's a, if it's like an opportunity for something or mm-hmm. I'll slow down, give myself that space and move towards it with a clear not crazy, cloudy ADHD mind, right? That that's, that's a pillar to my business is the slow living. And I didn't even realize that I leaned into that Mm -hmm. for my own as a coping mechanism for myself. So it's a good one. Um, but it's just, there's so many pieces to it also. I, I, I really, it's at first, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to say anything. Mm-hmm. out loud to the public mm-hmm. because I just felt like oh I don't know it, what will people think of me yeah just that old young kid inside that's constantly worried about what mm-hmm. Jenny's gonna say about her and then I thought to myself well if my child has to live like there's nothing to be ashamed about and maybe me saying hey I have this Mm-hmm. will make someone think differently about it and yeah. change the stereotype. And mm-hmm. because it it's, my daughter is also really quiet and shy yeah. and she's not on paper what is portrayed. And so it just can look so many different ways and mm-hmm. we need to, I don't know. I don't know if, if, I don't know. I, I feel like we need to show it more and yeah. not, not feel bad about it. Yeah. Um, so well, I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so, so the, I have a product-based business. I sell mm-hmm. candles and bath products and stuff like that. And with the discovery of this, I decided to shift to a subscription-based business where I'm going to do like a candle of the month and you're going to get um, like a mindfulness self-care virtual workshop every month. But I came to this decision because I realized my business wasn't where I wanted it to be because it was being run by someone with ADHD. So I had <laughs> all these different products, all these different ideas of going in a million directions. And my brother said, why not just a subscription box where it's one product Mm-hmm. That's it. It's your favorite thing to do is to create this product, this yeah. box. And so adapting your life, I mean, that's, I'm so lucky I have my own business that I can do this, but there's nothing wrong with talking to your boss about it, mm-hmm. coming up with accommodations. There's, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And I just, I want that for everyone who has suffered silently. Me too. Feeling 
really bad about themselves. No. And it's so interesting. You know, I didn't know we were even going to talk about this today and I'm so grateful we are. And I just had made a reel a few days ago about like meet my ADHD. And I don't even know if I've posted it yet, no. but that it's um, a picture of a bunch of notes. Cause I was in meetings all day. And I mean, you can see, I'll, I'll show you Like there's always say, oh, and yeah. flowers. And so my last boss, before I quit the university, the last boss that I had, I remember when he started, I, I told him, I was like, look, just so you know, when we're in meetings, you're going to see me drawing hearts and flowers and doodling. And it's going to look like I'm not paying attention. I was like, I'll even sit next to you if you want me to, to see that, you know, that this is happening. It's like, but this is how I listen. And like, I tell my students that. So for me, it's like, I know my coping mechanisms now, or I know the ways that I can manage things. And one of them for me is if I'm listening, but I'm not doing something like doodling, or that's yeah. why you see yeah. like I'll fidget or I'll do this. Yeah. If I'm just blankly staring at you and not doing something with my hands, I'm probably not hearing what you're saying. Yeah, very well. Exactly. And exactly. that's where I <laughs> like I had to stop wearing bangle bracelets to teach. Yeah. Because I would sit there. So I got all the string ones and I would sit there and play yeah. with them. And but for me, then it was saying that to my students or saying that, like I said to my boss, being open about that, like, hey, look. This is what I'm doing. And I'm telling you this so you can understand what I'm managing. Because otherwise you might look at these characteristics and you might think, oh, I'm nervous or, oh, I'm not paying attention. It's like, no, I've just learned that these are the ways that I can truly tune in or what this have is you. how I pay attention. And, yeah. and I think that even that, you know, being open about the ways that you manage, like you said, having the conversation, being able to say, yeah, these are some things that have tripped me up in the past. These are some things that I want to change going forward or the ways that you have to change your business or what yeah. Have you. Yeah. And that part of the conversation, I think, especially as more people are finding this out kind of later now in their lives, you know, really being able to understand that there is still hope then it's not like, oh, I've always yeah. done this this way. And right. oh my gosh, because it does feel kind of devastating too, it when you find really out. It does. I felt at first, well, at first like happiness that you have something. Yeah, I felt fix. happy. Like, yeah. oh, this is a very good explanation for my entire life. I also felt sad yeah. that I suffered so yes. much and really struggled my whole life and didn't know why. But mm -hmm. then I felt really strongly that we could make a difference to young kids now who yeah. are, who are growing up with it. And, and not only that, but other adults, like yeah. my brother and I talk about this. He's, he's like a VP at his company. He has people that work under him. So me talking to him, he can adjust the way he handles things. It, it, and, and just the more it's, it's part of the dialogue. Yeah. The easier it will get for people to, one of my daughter's biggest struggles is she has a lot of accommodations, but she's too anxious to ask for them. And mm -hmm. she's too embarrassed to ask for them. And mm -hmm. that is a problem. That's yeah. a problem with adult women, likely men too, but in the workplace, you know, if you need to set alarms on your phone throughout the day to remind you for things, that's what you need. Sorry if it bothers someone else like this, we, we all need to get to the point where we know the accommodations we need and we use them mm -hmm. and there's no stigma attached yeah. to it. I know that's a long road, but that is where we need to go. 
No, I agree. It's just, it's especially as things have gotten, you know, the world has just changed a lot again for most mm-hmm. people in the last few years. And so people are feeling overwhelmed. There's so much uncertainty, things are up and down. And so even if you had a slight tendency toward ADHD, you know, it's for most people ratcheted up a little bit, mm-hmm. right? So I think that then too, in turn with that, our nervous systems ratchet up, right? So it's like, even if you can mentally think, oh, this is what's happening, here's what's going on, you might not understand the ways that your body is responding, you know? And so for me, like you had said too, for so long, I was like, oh, I must be having a panic attack or, oh, am I having anxiety right now? And this is what I had even talked with for years throughout different psychiatrists, because, you know, do I have anxiety or do I have depression? And that's what we finally came to is like, I am only depressed when I can't get shit done because I'm too overwhelmed and all of the things that I'm supposed to do have come weighing weighing down on me. And then I'm like, oh my God, I can't get out of this or I can't move forward or what am I going to do? How did I let get this, you know, shame spiral, shame spiral, shame spiral. And, and so it's even understanding then, you know, previously, um, you know, in, in my past before this, going and feeling like I must, I'm depressed because I feel so upset about all these things and then getting, you know, antidepressants or what have you, or, oh, I need anti-anxiety meds for this. Exactly. And it wasn't until that ADHD diagnosis and kind of understanding that, looking at some different things where I was like, oh, okay. So Those no wonder repercussions of ADHD, yeah. you're anxious because your ADHD is blocking you from being successful. Yep. So then you're, you're, you're shy and, and nervous at work because you're, you know, you're going to mess up. You're, you know, it's like a, you're right. It's a spiraling Mm -hmm. of negativity that once you get in that spiral and you can't see a way out of it, Mm-mm. especially if you don't even know you have ADHD. Right, right. Especially <laughs> if you don't know you have it, because then you're just like, these are my pat. It's so easy to look at your life and be like, these mm-hmm. are my patterns. Cause like the one that's hard for me too, is like you said, bills and budgeting and mm-hmm. or like I, the bill thing, responding to emails, those types of things, oh, yeah. structure things. Right. And so then looking at it and being like, okay, these are actually tasks that everyone else does every day. Why am I having such a problem with it? You know, and you, oh, that's again, with me. that mm-hmm. shame that comes up because you feel like you are not performing in these simple, you know, I was like, this is adulting. Why can't, why am I such right. a bad adult? You right. know, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's so sad. It's, it's so, I, that's why I'm just trying to have a lot of compassion for myself because yes. And even my husband has been so compassionate. Like when we talked about it Good. and, and my girls too, I've, I've explained it to them because my older daughter, she said to me before, you know, we always like come up with these tour charts and ways for me to earn money, but we never actually followed through. <laughs> Oh, I'm yes. Like, I'm really sorry. Your mother has ADHD. I know. It's like, easy we'll never to come up with a plan. Right. It's really hard to execute it. Absolutely. <laughs> we will never talk about the amount of money I've spent on planners or oh, yeah. checklists. Organizers. You're organizers. Like, Good. Yeah. Yep. I need all of this. I'm like staring up because I'm looking at two, uh, I'm looking at like a graveyard of organizational products right here. There's one of my office. <laughs> And it is, it's, it's because you know that and you feel that and you feel that mm-hmm. overwhelm and you want something to be better. But then, like you say, finding something that works for you that you're going to be able to stick with because it's about reorganizing your brain patterns, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not about just, oh, I need the paper to look different. Right. And, 
And so I think too, even for the longest time, I would say like things like, oh, I'm just such a mess or I'd walk and I'd feel flustered all the time by it, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, and even after diagnosis, but in particular before. And so really letting go of that too, and being like, no, I got to stop saying that about myself. Cause not only then am I saying that and believing that, then I'm giving that impression to other people that that's what's happening when that's not, I'm not a mess. Jesus, like, look at all the things that I have done and have and and who I am, like even outside of, it's not just about accomplishments or anything, right. Right. To say that I'm just like a mess and falling apart is not really accurate. Right. But so many of us go to that, like we think we're failing on all of these different, you know, metrics. And we say it out loud. Mm-hmm. We've gotten really good at not at acknowledging that we shouldn't talk shit about our bodies. So, so we don't go around in front of our daughters and say, oh, I'm so fat today. Yeah. That's, we've come a long way with that. It's the same thing. The same oh, thing. mommy's a mess. Mommy cannot stay organized. Yeah. That's the same thing. That is self-shaming when you're not perfect. And all that is teaching is my little 10-year-old who's going to grow up to be similar to me to feel shame about it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really trying to reword my own inner dialogue so that I can catch the external as well. But just saying to myself exactly that, like, no, you're amazing. You, you have a great, somehow you created a business flying Mm -hmm. by the seat of your pants. It's (laughs) amazing. So how about focus on that? And also really try to hone in on what you're good at. So for me, I'm good at design. I'm good at creating. I'm good at, I'm artistic and creative. So I have shifted the, you know, the executing and the organization to my sister. So she tells me you need to order this, 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 and all I have to do is go on and order it. And nine times out of 10, I don't even get it ordered. And she has to ask me like three or four times. But (laughs) the, the point is ask for help. Yeah. From those around you who love you and can help you because no matter what, you're not going to be able to do it all. You're not even going to be able to do what a lot of your friends can do. So just accept that and focus on what you're good at and find strategies for the areas that you struggle in. Yeah. And also, I mean, and there are times then too, to recognize your own patterns and recognize like the ebb and flow of things like, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, at the end of every school year, my house, at the end of every semester, my house is a mess, right? It just is. Cause it's like the things that I've kind of kept up with and I just like go by the wayside. Right. And so I even had to learn that about myself. Like, okay, yep. The last month of this semester, things are going to go downhill on the house front. So I'm not going to beat myself up about that. And I'll regroup with it, you know, when I can. And what that is, is it's just, that makes sense, right? At the end of the semester, there's more stuff going on. So something's got to give then, right? Yeah. And the yeah. thing that's always going to give for me is housework because I don't want to do it. <laughs> so that's where like you're saying, I do the easy parts. I wash the laundry. I get it as far as the couch. And then we can just, you know, take clean clothes off the couch or off of the laundry yeah. basket for however yeah. long, right? Yeah. And it's, it's those kind of things of like letting go of that for myself 
and being like, okay, yeah, well, we have clean clothes. So it doesn't matter that I didn't get them folded and put away. Now, what I love to do, I feel super accomplished when I get them all folded and put away. Yes. But if I'm going to do that task and then have internal panic because of these 97 other things over here that I feel like I should be doing, guess what? Like my kids can wear clothes from the couch just as easily as they can from their drawer, you know, and, and really learning to be okay with that kind of stuff or being Mm -hmm. okay with apologizing to my children and being like, look, yep. I hope that this doesn't your struggle, but this is mine. (laughs) And And I think too, like one of the things, um, one of my doctors at one point said to me, cause I was saying like, but I'm so good at over here. And he was like, Cassandra, it's not that you can't focus. He's like, you just focus on the wrong things. I was like, Oh, it's the lack of dopamine. Oh, well, why do you got to say it like that? It's true though. ADHD <laughs> is a lack of dopamine. So we, when, when it's something we love, like my business, if I'm doing something to my website, I can be in it for eight hours straight because I'm interested. But if it's a non-interesting task, that's where we slide off because it's hard. It's not giving us enough dopamine. It's the same reason like you're in the academic world and I'm sure you see this all the time. Kids with ADHD will start off the year or the semester, the term, really good. They'll have all their stuff organized because it's new and it's exciting. And then it starts to wane by the middle of the semester. And by the end of the semester, when they really need to be turned, have it turned on, it's done. They have nothing left. And that's when they're really struggling. And that's, that's exactly what happened to me in college. I think about, I I came up with this solution in college where we had semesters. So September to December, and then February to May. And I would barely pass my classes Mm -hmm. in those semesters. I had like a 2.0 GPA. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. And then I would stay for the summer where they had accelerated classes. Yeah. I would take four accelerated classes every summer, which were three, two or three weeks long, every single day for three hours. So there is no time to lose interest, to forget. I, so, and then I would get a 4.0. So that's like a full semester of classes and it would bring my GPA back up again. And then come fall semester, it would be down in the dumps come summer. I could, but that it just goes so so obvious. It's so obvious to me in hindsight. I hope you're loving this episode as much as I did. Fun fact. I was recently on Tiffany's podcast called Self-Care Simplified, where we spoke about being yourself and understanding what it really means to take care of you, not other people. You can find the link to that episode below in the show notes. Also, I wanted to let you know that if you've been finding boundaries and conflict difficult in your relationships, but you wish that it would just be less stressful and you think that there's an easier way, I'd love to work with you in a one-on-one format to help you strengthen your relationships and communication. You can DM me on Instagram at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire, which is linked below, or email me at connect at CassandraLeClaire.com so we can discuss what that would look like for you. Now back to the episode. How did no one at my college see how is she failing and then getting 4.0s? Like what is going on here? But it was just so so overlooked. 
No, it's so real. And I, I even as a, both as a student, I did the exact same thing, exactly mm -hmm. like one semester. I even like took a semester off. I had to quit mm -hmm. middle of the semester withdrew and then went right back in and took like all the summer classes I could did awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, even, and I tell all of my students like, look, I have ADHD and they think I'm joking. And I'm like, no, here's what this really looks like. That's and you're sad that they it. think you're joking. It's, it's and you're going to see joke. it. Yeah. And everybody, they're always so appreciative because even the ones who don't have ADHD, then they understand me better. <laughs> you know, like you're being, you're honestly connecting right. with them. Because I will tell them at different times, I'll say like, okay, please remind me of that. Or I'll ask them, I'll say, yeah. did you see me write it down? Because if I didn't write it down, I'm not going to remember or just, and, and the reason I do that also, it's like what you were saying is to normalize it, to show mm -hmm. them like, this is how I am managing. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, otherwise I can't yeah. and to really get other workplaces and things to recognize like that that's okay to say, or that these are the okay things to do. But what you're saying too, in terms of just that concentration, and then you look at, at schooling for children, you look at college and, and it's just yeah. not designed for people who are neurodivergent, it's not designed for anyone who has a different learning styles. Right. And so, you know, and, and I feel like too, so much of this we have known, but then now we are just saying it instead of actually yeah. making changes of, yeah. you know, how can we, how can we actually make this more conducive for learning for people? How can we make this more conducive? And so that's where it's, it's wonderful to have these tips and tricks and things that we can all think of too. But I really hope that the bigger conversation is again, what are some of the roots of this or where is this coming from and how can we start to change some of the structures and systems to be more supportive yes. of people? Yeah, exactly. Like I would love if my daughter could have accommodations without even asking. Yeah. Like just, you know, and it just should be, a part of every student's dialogue. What mm -hmm. accommodations do you need to thrive? Because mm -hmm. everybody is different. You don't need a diagnosis to have an accommodation. You shouldn't need a diagnosis mm -hmm. to have accommodations. I feel like there's a way in mainstream schooling to customize to some degree every mm -hmm. kid's education. Well, that would require, yeah, resources for teachers. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. that's what it comes down to, too, yeah. right? Because you talk yeah. to teachers and they're not opposed to that. Like no, no teacher I know is opposed to getting the kid to learn in a way that's going to be best for them. But then I when think, you start yeah. to look at IEPs and you start right. to look at accommodations and you start to have to treat every, it's too much for them at a too time much. when they're, yeah. we're already having all these conversations about teacher burnout and how they're mm -hmm. not paid enough and they have all these expectations. So it's like, it really is possible, as you said. And that's why it, it needs is. to be part of the dialogue. My, yep. my older daughter doesn't need an IEP, but last year she had an English teacher who let her put headphones on to do her work. That's an accommodation. That helps her drown out the noise, focus yep. better. That's just something her teacher noticed about her and let her do. Yeah. So if it was more part of the conversation and teachers were able to say to kids how, you know, what would be a good learning environment for you? Do you yeah. need to go sit in the back with, with a board up so that you're, you're focused, go do it, you know, yeah. just a little more flexibility mm -hmm. with all kids will help, especially the neurodiverse kids access their accommodations easier. Like my, my daughter, some of her accommodations are like, she can, leave the classroom and take a walk anytime she wants. 
you think my 10 year old daughter with social anxiety is going to be like, I need to go take a walk. No, never going to happen. She's going to panic in her head and force herself to sit there. But if everybody was kind of like doing a little bit of their own thing, I don't know. I just feel like normalize, normalize that we're all different Mm -hmm. and that we all need different things. And it doesn't matter. It's not that you have a disability and you don't, it's just, we're all human and we're all different. And that's amazing. I have um, one of my um, best friends is a teacher and she also struggles with some of these things. And so to hear the ways that she does do that in her classroom, it's so beautiful and it's so encouraging. And I love just listening to her talk about, well, this student, here's what I do for them. And she's telling me about her day. You know, she doesn't even know if she's telling me what she's doing. And, and I think that, you know, that's the thing where you said embedding it into the conversation, having this be something that we're all aware of, because the people who I know who are really good at it are the ones who are also struggling with it. Like I said, the only reason we're motivated, right? Cause I'm like, Hey, yo, I see, I see you over there, see what you're doing. And, and I think too, like really having that understanding, actually, I had a not so good experience with somebody about it about six months ago. Because I had said, you know, if I don't respond to you, please, please write me back. And yeah. I tell my students that all the time. I was like, I'm not ghosting you. I swear I'm not trying to ignore you. Please just write me back. If I don't, like, if it's been a few days, like, yeah. write me back. And this person was like, why is it my responsibility to remind you of something that I've already done? And I was like, okay, I get that. Valid. Like you've done the thing, you've asked me, you've reached out and you're waiting on me and you don't want to go through the next step because you've done your part. I understand that. However. Exactly. I'm like, (laughs) I'm real sorry. My disability is an inconvenience (laughs) to you. Yeah. I was like, okay. All right. Cool. So, you know, it, 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 it's just, it's It's because the universal expectation is that you don't mess up. It's yeah. not my responsibility to remind you, you, if you forget that's your mess up. Yep. And then so, you're a, you're a flake or you're yeah. this, or you're not organized or you're not whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that was an eye-opening space to me. Yeah. So I seriously considered putting something like on my email signature, mm-hmm. like that just is like, you know, if you don't hear from me in three days, right back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's very rarely anything other than sheer overwhelm, or I've looked at something put, meant to go back to it and then just mm-hmm. don't. And yeah. again, I understand yeah. why that can be frustrating and annoying to other people. Definitely. I get it. But mm-hmm. hey, guess what? There are probably things about those people that frustrate and annoy me too. And I'm not, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. And it's the collective. It's all about the right. collective, the, all of us as a whole. Is mm-hmm. it really that much of a burden for you to? spend 30 seconds saying, Hey, I never heard back. Did you get my email? Yeah. Is that really so much of a burden? No. And if we approached all of life that way, so in Buddhism, they, there's a big focus on intention, Mm -hmm. other people's intention. You, you want to wake up in the morning and know in your heart that your intentions are, are pure and good. And this person that you're encountering, their intentions are pure and good. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't get an email back, instead of saying, instead of a being angry about it Mm -hmm. and B saying, Hey, that's not my job to remind you. How about we look at that person and think, 
wonder what they're going through. Mm -hmm. Wonder what's happening. I know they have good intention. Mm -hmm. I like to believe all human beings have good intention. Um, so maybe I'll shoot her an email and say, Hey, what, just want to make sure you got my, my email, especially if you've asked for it. Yeah. It asked her to circle back. And if we, this, I mean, I've said this like three times now, but this is why it's so important to talk about it. It is. And we tend to personalize things in other people too. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, we, you know, a lot, and we talk about this with a lot of people. I know you have as well. Like we're so much more likely to like, if something like happens to us and we can't respond to somebody to know like, oh, it's because I had this happen or what have you. But then a lot of times for other people, we personalize it to be about some flaw that they've had or some, you know, character, you know, flaw or some, something about them, right? Oh, that person or they're disorganized or they didn't do this or whatever it is, right? As opposed to doing exactly what you're saying, you know, not assuming that the other person has a character flaw, instead assuming that they're busy or not assuming that they're a terrible person, instead assuming that they're managing something else. And I think we are pretty, we're getting better at doing that in a lot of ways with people's emotions or other things. But when it comes to productivity and Mm -hmm. tasks, the bottom line and work, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, we are not good about it then at all. And so I think that that is something where, yeah, it's, it's fast paced America. It's, it's Mm -hmm. just very, you're right. It's about the end goal. It's about the bottom line. It's about what what do you give me? What's in it for me? That is the mentality here in our culture is Mm -hmm. every man for himself, you know, climbing to the top, but that's not the way to happiness. That's not the way to peace. And Mm -hmm. it's certainly not, you know, going to help our current situation of division and nobody getting along it's no, just no no I think acceptance and understanding not only when it comes to ADHD but obviously just in general is yeah. so huge you know and that's something too where obviously with ADHD or with other things a lot of times stress can worsen that too right and I think we can all agree that it has just been a more stressful world for many of us for a lot mm-hmm. of different reasons over the last few years right So even having that grace and understanding for yourself and for other people, like, yeah, look, like I absolutely still barely know what day it is, you know, and some of that is my ADHD, some of that's the pandemic time, some of that, like now my new world is like, I guess I'm just never going to know what day or time it is, right? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and it's true though, like I even say to my kids, if someone in their class is being unkind or there's a bully or of course, if they hear things on the news, I always tell them people aren't mean unless they're hurting and unhealthy. And that's the truth. That is the truth at the end of the day. If you're happy and healthy, you don't hurt other people. Mm -hmm. So if we can approach everybody, even those we strongly disagree with from the place of compassion, which I know is very difficult in some situations, but that person is unwell. Yeah. And we have to 
put our loving energy in that direction. It doesn't mean walk in that direction. It doesn't mean engage in that direction, but it doesn't mean over accommodate that. No, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean any of that. Yep. (laughs) It doesn't mean tolerate Mm -hmm. that behavior, but just knowing in all of your interactions with other people that when they feel good inside, they do good. Mm -hmm. So it's sad, actually. It's, it's, it's really sad that a person can be so unhealthy that they behave in a certain way. Um, And if that's, if that's what we're, so now, you know, when my kids encounter someone at school, that's their first thought. Their first thought is not, oh, she's so mean. It's, I wonder what's bothering her. And I also think there's something to be said about that level of curiosity, because when someone on the other side um, treats us poorly, our mental um, instinct is to shut it off and run. But if we, I mean, I, again, I'm not saying to engage to any degree that you're not comfortable, (laughs) but like just even mentally thinking, I wonder what's going on there is helpful. It's a, it's a great first step. It's a great first step too, because not only for the other person, but then for yourself too, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to being like absorbing that from them. Right, exactly. As opposed to taking their words and having them affect your yep. truth, taking their words and having it affect your self-esteem yeah. and, and having it or taking something that they've done personally mm-hmm. and feeling like, oh, why are they mad at me? Or why did I do this? Or I guess I am ugly or whatever it is, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think too, really being able to understand that. And then as you're saying too, you know, you're definitely not saying, okay, yeah, we have to accept everybody and all that they do. Oh, that is not the message, but just having that understanding then of where people are coming from and what that maybe looks like for them. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean then you have to accept their behavior or excuse it away, but just really also instead of, instead of starting from that place where we're like, oh yeah, they're a bad person or they did this or gossiping about people or calling them names. So often that's just people's go-to as well. Mm -hmm. And as you said, you know, thinking about the collective, that's only adding to our negativity and toxicity. It's, it's not the way for us to move forward and to heal, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, it's just not, it's not. And to circle it back to even to ADHD, a lot of people with ADHD have rejection sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So if someone is mean mm-hmm. or unkind, exactly like you said, we internalize that. And, and we really, it's hard for us to take. If my husband gives me a suggestion while I'm cooking, mm-hmm. I just can't handle it. I, <laughs> I feel like, what you don't like what I'm making like it's really bothers me Mm -hmm. but if we work to not internalize things and Mm -hmm. and looking outward uh, back to like trusting the intentions of people and just believing that everybody has good intentions you know the politician that you hate don't internalize that the woman who is rude to you at starbucks it's not you don't internalize that your husband commenting on your cooking (laughs) he's his intentions are not to hurt me you know if and if they are there's something he's not well (laughs) 
Right. Right. It's it's not well. So it's not me. It's not me, which with people with ADHD, it's, it's really, we get stuck in that. What have I done? What's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, thank you so much for just opening up this conversation and for really being transparent about some of the ways this shows up for you, because I do think that even if somebody doesn't have a diagnosis, you know, a lot more people are feeling kind of that overwhelmed, virtual yeah. burnout, mm-hmm. that feeling of like, everything's right up here mm-hmm. and understanding how you can manage that for yourself is so important because there are, and this is where, you know, I know a lot of times social media, you know, we all have a love hate relationship with it a lot of times, but again, that's to when you can curate your feed or when you can follow the people, there are a lot of, I haven't dug into it yet because I'm still trying to learn TikTok. Um, I know say that it's mainly because I'm avoiding getting on there because I will speaking of focusing on black hole. Then I'll be like, I'm my son. That's why he doesn't want me to be on TikTok. Cause he's like, you will be that person in the corner rocking back and forth because you've been watching it for like eight hours. He's like, oh my God. Yes. I'm like, how is it 1am? Oh shit. It just might not be on the right thing. So my son is like, mom, we still need to eat. There's a lot you have to do in life. You can't TikTok. Oh, I love it. Bad. Um, that being said, I keep um, I've gotten several recommendations from friends who have found a lot of good people on TikTok. Oh, or yeah. Seeing their tips and their tricks, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of us, we want things in our life to make managing our life easier. Yeah. We want there to be something that takes away some of the pressure and some of the stress. Mm-hmm. And this is where you know why people think, oh, if I go on a vacation, life will be better. Or if I get a raise, life will be better because yeah. I can hire help or whatever it is, right? So really understanding then, okay, yes, a raise and a vacation, that would be lovely for us all. Mm-hmm. But what are some things that we can do each day to recognize our own pattern? Oh, yeah. How, yeah. How we can, you know, how we can really manage things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Tell us some of the things that you've discovered then through this process, like, or what's working for you or what you've seen or noticed. So it's, I'm really new into it. I feel like I have a lot of knowledge because I'm looking back into my history and I'm seeing what I have learned just unintentionally. Um, so I, I will say again, being a seeker, even if that is on TikTok, it is following accounts that are going to provide you helpful value. Now I follow a ton of ADHD coaches and their little nuggets that pop into my feed, I'm saving them all. They're so helpful. Um, I'll email you a list to maybe. Okay, please do. I can't think off the top of my head. I know. Right? I, yeah, why would good you ones. I'm adding new stimuli to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, self-compassion, acknowledging that I'm going to make mistakes and that's okay. I'm okay with that. And thinking back, I used to really beat myself up over large life mistakes that I have made. And I have been able to let go of all of that regret and, and think she was just so lost. (laughs) She had no idea what was going on. Um, so that, and really leaning on the people who love you and talking to them about it and asking them to learn about it. So they understand why you are the way you are. And like my sister, 
is unbelievable. She knows me better than I know myself. So she has helped me. I just can't even list the ways. She is just an angel on earth and I would be so lost without her. But she, if I, if I have discussed something with her, like all of my medical appointments, for example, she knows all of them. She knows when I have appointments. She knows when I leave that appointment, if that doctor said I need to call this number and follow and get an appointment with this other doctor, she'll call me in two or three days and say, have you scheduled that appointment yet? Cause she knows I have not. <laughs> um, yeah. So really just leaning on your community and the people in your inner circle who love you and want you to thrive, opening up and explaining to them how this shows up for you mm-hmm. so that they don't think, oh, you don't have ADHD, you you sit still. So they know really truly what it is and how they can help because people want to help. They mm-hmm. really do. And just talking about it, just, you know, I I think like you said, I, I said to a woman the other day, if you don't hear back from me, send me another email. And I'm now I feel okay saying that I used to make up excuses. I used to say, you know, oh, this came up and, and really I had just double booked myself or this or that. And it's just easier to be honest, Mm -hmm. just be honest. And then you're not in a scramble, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to unmess a a thing, you know? Absolutely. No. And I think too, for me, you know, I understand there's a school of thought of people who would say like, oh, if you tell people these things, then you're leading with your weaknesses or whatever. But here's the reality of it for me. You know, if I'm transparent about that, and if I say to somebody from the get-go, hey, yeah. And if I don't respond to you, please let me know, respond back. Then I also feel like I'm saving them energy, right? Because then they're not 100%, sitting there for yes. thinking I'm mad. They're not sitting there for three days thinking like, oh, this. And they can mm-hmm. literally go to their email and just hit forward on that message, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, yeah. not like I expect everyone to manage my life for me, but I just think that there are different ways where, you know, we can, if we recognize ourselves and can have some grace for ourselves and then ask for that grace from other people as well. And showing other people you giving yourself grace. Yeah. That is not a thing we do enough. We don't mm-hmm. show the world that I am going lightly with myself that I'm forgiving myself we don't and that's something it's so funny because I always get on to my students for apologizing for everything Mm -hmm. mainly everything I get on to my students about is because it's something I struggle with so it's easy to tell them Um, but apologizing so much. And so that's something with ADHD in particular, I was always apologizing for everything, you know, Mm -hmm. lack of emailing, overscheduling, canceling plans, whatever it is. Right. And so for instead really trying, and I'm better at it with some people than others. So it's Mm -hmm. still a work in progress for me, but instead of saying, I'm sorry, like, you know, thank you for your patience, or I appreciate your understanding. That's one thing I've used a lot. I I say that a lot. Yeah. Thank you for your patience with me. Mm -hmm. And really just, you know, because that's the thing. I am sorry. I am sorry that I have caused, if I ever cause anybody any sort of anxiety or frustration or whatever it is because of my behaviors, right? right? But also then continually feeling like I've done something wrong by apologizing when it's like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like my brain literally thinks differently than yours. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know? If you were bleeding, mm-hmm. this wouldn't be a conversation. 
Right. I wouldn't but, say I'm sorry. Well, maybe I'm sorry I would I, I apologize if I got blood on your carpet or something, right? <laughs> you know, but that, so, but just, yeah, if you were bleeding, if it were a physical ailment, mm -hmm. we would, it, nobody's going to think twice about it. So yeah. just even recognizing that this is something that a lot of people are dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And if you see people who you think might be dealing with some of this, these things, also finding ways to have a conversation with them about yeah. it. Because again, I don't think a lot of people, I, I think the diagnosis is just going to keep increasing because I think more and more people are like, whoa, that's what this is. That and I'm going to be real curious again about what studies are going to come out about environmental factors and about yeah. all of this. Like how much of this problem are we creating mm -hmm. for our species? You know, <laughs> I know it's true. I know. Yeah. Oh, Tiffany, as always, it's just such a wonderful chance I get anytime we can talk. I love our conversations. I'm so grateful you came on today. And I feel like we only talked about two things and I have so much more that I want to talk about. But obviously we'll have to just keep having these conversations. Yeah. Um, so remind everybody again, where they can follow you, find you work with. Okay. You. So I, my business is odd and L a U D a N D E L. Um, and I'm on Instagram is odd and L Facebook is odd and L and I am doing, um, like the candle, um, subscription. So if you're into that and it's it, the, this new box is called light box. And I am so excited about it because one of my best friends, Kelsey Letgo, who's a life and transformation coach. She has done so much for my personal life. She's creating a custom workshop every month for Lightbox. So you'll get your box with your big, amazing candle in it, but also a card with a QR code that opens um, a virtual workshop that you could do at any time. And it's all about just self-love, mindfulness, good living, she's a gem. The whole box is going to be amazing. So, That's so wonderful. I'm right now. You. And it's, I thank you for sharing too, the evolution of how that came to mm -hmm. be. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to see how this changes your business for Me you too. too. Yeah. Your mindset surrounding all of those things that we've talked about too. I think yeah. it's just going to flourish yeah. in a new way. So I'm excited for you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I love oh, being here. Of course. And I can't wait till we can meet in person. We're going to know, I know this fall. <laughs> yes. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Thank you, Tiffany. Have a great day. I loved so much this conversation with Tiffany today. Here are a few of my favorite takeaways. Number one, ADHD has an unfortunate stigma attached to it. Not everyone is bouncing off the walls out of control. Some are introverted and calm with too many tabs open. Number two, life circumstances can almost always justify your overwhelm. So the possibility of ADHD isn't the first thought for many. Number three, sometimes forcing yourself to make decisions slowly when possible can be a pivotal change in how you run your business or live your life. Number four, being open about your challenges with those you regularly interact with, like a boss or people close to you, can help bring understanding and an opportunity to see that there may be a way to meet in the middle where you can realistically do what others expect from you. Number five, hone in on what you're good at and delegate anything else you can because there is no shame in asking for help. You won't be able to do everything, even everything that others can do easily. Number six, when noticing someone else being a bit harsh or unkind, 
Learning to come at it with a curious point of view and wondering what is going on behind the scenes can help you humanize others without defining them by their decisions. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm really grateful that you spent time with us. Until next time, have a great day.